0: Welcome to In the Oil Patch, presented by Shale Magazine, broadcasting from the Oilfield Expert Studios. Oilfield Experts, where you get the right products right now. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.
1: And welcome to In the Oil Patch radio show. I'm your host, Kim Bilotto. And today we have a great show lined up for you. We will have two special guests. Our first guest is Jim Burkhardt, who is the vice president and head of oil markets for IHS Market. And also David Spiegelmeyer, who is the president of the Marcellus Shell Play Association. But first, let's bring on my co-host, David Blackman. David, welcome to this week's show.
2: Hey, it's another beautiful day in Texas.
1: It sure is. Let's jump into, you know, we got a really busy, busy show today. We have two guests, two, you know, very heavy hitters. And I'm excited because, you know, IHS market covers global things. We're going to cover some global topics pertaining to China. Definitely important. What are they up to? And of course, a new guest and a new association uh, focusing on the Marcellus shell play out there in uh, the Pennsylvania area. But before we bring them on, as the editor of Shell Magazine, tell me what is going on with Shell Magazine. Who's the cover?
2: Oh, uh, man, I, this next issue is going to be fantastic. Our, our cover story is Mike Howard and, and Howard Energy Partners, one of the big diversified midstream companies here in the state of Texas. Um, our interview with Mike was <laughs> one of the most interesting ones I think we've ever done because during the midst of it, we, we discovered that we he and I are probably uh, fairly close cousins uh coming from the same family that settled in mcmullen county back in the 1830s wow um elbow cousins
1: (laughs) robin elbow cousins
2: anyway Anyway, it's a great story this company is is really one of the most dynamic companies you'll see in the midstream sector it's first company that built a uh, pipeline to take refined products into central mexico Mm -hmm. um and that's a growing part uh, frankly of the, the energy business as a whole and uh They have pipelines all over the country and and facilities at two of the big Texas ports. And uh, just a really, really interesting story. And I think uh, everyone's going to enjoy it. And, um, you know, in addition to that, we have the Show Play Roundup. We'll have news from every Show Play across the country. Um, We have really good uh, federal and state policy and election analyses coming up in this issue as we, we approach November. And I just think it's uh, it's going to be one of the best issues we've ever had. I'm really looking forward to, sh- to seeing it published.
1: Well, David, I cannot wait to get my hands on a copy of it. For more information, if you guys want to see this issue, go to shalemag.com. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com. And now it's time to welcome on our guest, Jim Burkhard, who is vice president and head of oil and gas for IHS Market. Jim, welcome to In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
3: Thank you. Thank you very much.
1: You know, we're excited every chance we get to do an interview with IHS Market. Uh, We had a colleague on the other day talking about oil markets and from your organization. And um, it was um, uh, amazing, I think, uh, David. I don't think David and I really realized Um, The extent of how large IHS Market is in in, in the way of all the different areas that you guys touch and you focus on uh, analyzing these different market areas. Huge, huge company. We wanted to bring you on to talk about an article that IHS Market released discussing China. And their oil inventories before we get started with that interview though I'd like to give you a moment to tell us a little bit about your role at IHS market as the vice president and, and energy markets what's your specific role there
3: sure sure and again thanks for having me on your show I appreciate it so uh, my uh, two principal responsibilities at IHS market one is leading our crude oil uh, market analysis so we have a team around the world that's looking at demand, supply, you know, policy, trade, uh, short-term and long-term to help uh, us understand uh, what's happening and why in the crude oil market and what could happen in the future. So the crude oil market's a key part of my job. The second part uh, of my job is what we call energy and mobility. And uh, IHS market has a large energy business. We also have a large automotive business, and we've combined the two to create a team to look at how changes in mobility, uh, for example, electric cars, driverless cars, batteries, so on and so forth, are impacting the transportation system. And the two are connected because transportation demand is at the heart of oil demand, and the vast majority of oil demand growth is linked to transportation. So in shorthand, uh, I do uh, oil and cars at IHS Market.
1: Well, they do go hand in hand. I do agree with you. We do typically tend to try to cover a lot of that, more specifically in David's area as the editor of Shell Magazine. Shell typically tends to be a little diverse in in how they're looking and writing on different content pieces. But I wanted to jump into the topic because we have a limited time with you. A piece that came out, you guys, was talking about China and their increase. So, you know, my question is, what in the world is happening in China? Because you recently reported that the world's largest importer of oil has since January built its domestic inventories by a record 440 million barrels. Tell us what you think is going on there.
3: Well, that number is really astounding. I think some context might help us appreciate just how big that number is. So China's been a very important oil market for a long time. And uh, in this first half of 2020, we've had demand globally uh, decline uh, by the most we've ever seen it. And that's led to a large supply surplus. So there's simply been far more oil supply than demand. And that's the reason why prices have been uh, so low over the last couple of months. During this time, uh, China has, uh, because of low prices and the need to build up their strategic inventories, Chinese. Uh, we estimate China's crude oil inventories will grow from January to June by 440 million barrels. Now, here's the key piece of context. In the United States, which is still the biggest oil market in the world, the largest we've ever seen crude oil inventories build over six months is about 120 million barrels or so. Wow. Rough figure. So what we've seen in China is about, you know, almost four times that number. It's really astounding. And it's the the low-price environment. It's new refineries that uh, are coming on stream in 2020 that are adding to their inventories, building up inventories, and also expansion of China's uh, strategic crude oil reserves, similar to the United States' uh, Strategic Petroleum Reserve.
2: That was actually... um my next question I was going to ask you, if, if they were building a reserve like we have in the U.S., you know, another another thing countries have historically done as they prepare for war is build a big uh, reserve of petroleum. You don't see anything like that happening here, do you?
3: Well, uh, I, I, I wouldn't want to predicate this build on, you know, a war preparation for that. We do know, you know, prices have been low. There have been new refineries. Uh, uh, coming online in China this year. So there's, there's been a uh, you know, commercial uh, need uh, and opportunity to build up uh, crude oil inventories. At the same time, just like many other countries have, uh, China is also adding to the Strategic Petroleum Reserve. What we don't know, because this data is not released, uh, we don't know the, uh, how much of this build has gone into commercial inventories versus strategic crude oil inventories. Uh, there is a uh, you know reasonable estimate would be the bulk of this has gone into commercial inventories, but there still could be a sizable amount that's gone into their strategic reserves. We just don't know the precise breakdown because those figures uh, are not released.
1: So, Jim, my question is there's a huge inventory growth in China. Um, has that been one of the factors that has helped the rest of the world avoid a shortage of crude uh, storage that everyone was fearing might happen back in
3: April. Do you think? That yes, that was- yes, certainly. And you know, we have a uh, a database that has all of the known crude oil storage facilities, at least the ones that we've been able to count ourselves. And we've always known in China, uh, you know, getting a precise number there is difficult. Also, China's been a fast-growing oil market. And they've also been growing their strategic storage capacity. And again, they don't release these numbers, so getting a a, a, uh, a detailed fix on capacity in China uh, is a challenge. It's really uh, difficult to do. So we always said, you know, the 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 storage capacity that's available in China is an is an unknown. Uh, but I think we can safely say now that this buildup of crude stocks in China indicates that China has been building and did have substantial uh, storage capacity, capacity that was available to soak in to take up a lot of the surplus. Without that, without that capacity, uh, we may have seen prices uh, stay lower or even have more shut-ins. But China yeah. has, in a way, provided a, an outlet, a massive outlet for a lot of these surplus crude.
2: Well, on the subject of U.S. storage, Uh, You know, there is a a report this week that people are, again, are becoming a little bit concerned about how much capacity we have left in the U.S. Do you have a a good handle on that question?
3: Well, the the, the, uh, U.S. Energy Information Administration uh, provides uh, weekly statistics uh, on U.S. crude oil inventory. So uh, for the U.S., there's a pretty good handle uh, on it. U.S. inventories right now are at their highest level ever recorded they're slightly they're a bit higher than what they were a couple of years ago after the uh, 2014 2015 price collapse so this is the highest ever but not you know way above anything we've ever seen so yes yeah, storage is a concern but at the same time US production is falling uh, demand is rising so uh, it doesn't appear the US is gonna run out of storage we're likely to have high levels of crude in storage for a while, but at this point, it appears that the real danger of running out—we've uh, we've, running out of storage capacity—we've moved uh, beyond that. Again, that assumes that demand continues to recover.
1: Very good. Well, Jim, thank you again for coming on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. We appreciate you stopping in and giving us your updated analysis on what's happening in China. I also encourage our listeners for more information coming out of, uh, you know, spot on analysis. Go to IHS Market and uh, look around. There's a lot to to investigate and and learn about. Jim, once again, thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch Radio Show.
3: Thank you very much. Appreciate the opportunity to talk with you.
4: Are you a business owner feeling overwhelmed where to begin your business's online presence? Maybe you've spent thousands of dollars in the past just to be highly disappointed with the results. We understand because we were once you. Since then, we decided to hire the very best experts to help us and you. Let us send you our free business snapshot that will quickly show you your Google business rankings in these five areas, reputation, ratings online, website advertising and social media, and search engine optimization. All of these areas really affect how Google ranks your entire listing. So if ranking on page one is your goal, pick up the phone and call us now, 210-240-7188, or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. We'll be in contact with you within 24 hours. Once again, pick up the phone and call us now, 210 240 7188 or go to shalemag.com slash business snapshot. That's S-H-A-L-E-M-A-G.com slash business snapshot. Start dealing with a company you can trust and will always be there for you.
1: Now it's time to bring on our guest for today, Dave Spiegelmeyer, who is the president of the Marcella Shell Coalition. Dave, welcome to you in the Oil Patch Radio Show.
5: Yeah, it's good to be with you, Kim. Glad to be with you and Dave today.
1: Well, we're real excited to have you join us because uh, it's a treat to actually hear from another area outside of Texas another and another great organization what's going on in your area. But before we really get into the interview, we've got a lot of questions for you. Can you tell us a little bit about the Marcella Shell Coalition itself, the organization, its mission? And also, you know, how did you arrive there? What's your past work history, if you will, that uh, led you to being the president of the Marcella Shell Coalition?
5: Sure, Kim. Uh- you know, we put the organization together back in, you know, we started to put the underpinnings of the coalition together in 2008. We incorporated the coalition in 2009, and many of you may recall gas was selling at a fairly high level back in 2007 and 2008. Uh, unconventional uh, development had just come to the Appalachian Basin, and and we started to see investment Uh, being made broadly across uh, the shale regions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia. We put the coalition together with the focus of making sure we had the rules in place to educate the public, to prepare a workforce, uh, all those things that are necessary to make sure that we do uh, shale gas development in an environmentally responsible fashion and continue to provide the broad-based economic and environmental, um, you know, type of projects that that. That have, have come with shale development in the Appalachian Basin. Put it in perspective. Back then, I think the high mark for Pennsylvania, we were producing about 180 billion cubic feet of natural gas uh, from conventional operations at that time. We've now, you know, topped 6.8 trillion cubic feet. Nearly 20% of America's <laughs> natural gas supplies coming out of um, Pennsylvania, and you include Ohio and West Virginia. You're talking over 9 TCF and. Um, the development has been pretty extraordinary. As for my background, this is my 37th year in the business, I in the early part of my career and it's been primarily in the Appalachian Basin. The early part of my career um, was in the utility side of the business. I spent the bulk of my career in the pipeline side of the business and uh, also spent about 10 years working for um, upstream production. So. Um, fortunate that I've got a little bit of experience in all sectors of the business, and um, I took over the coalition to manage the coalition as its president in 2013.
1: Excellent. Well, uh, before we drill down a little bit and start talking about your specific area, um, I want to just discuss quickly, you guys had uh... your annual meeting not too long ago and and it's no secret that the past administration the obama administration was really not a fan of oil and gas it was a lot of heavy regulation that was put placed on the energy industry uh... and then as president trump entered um, you know he made it known that he was very much a big supporter of oil and gas and you guys actually landed president trump to come and be your keynote at your uh... you know annual event I want to know, tell me what that feels like. Do you just pick up the phone and call the White House and say, hey, we're, we're looking <laughs> for President Trump, bring well, Air Force One, and uh, give us a, an understanding of what that was like.
5: Kim, I think it helps to be a swing state. I mean, Pennsylvania is mm-hmm. certainly key to the president's election. And, you know, we had him here at the, our annual conference is called the Shale Insight Conference. We had him as a candidate in 2016. His experience was really positive, and one of the uh, the hallmarks of the shale play is, is that it's created an enormous number of jobs from the building trade side. And as we modernize the, um, the liquids management side, I mean, the area that you're from, you know, the, the Gulf Coast states has been the primary petrochemical hub for the United States. And now with development of the shales in the Northeast, um, you know, we can diversify that platform a bit, and there's a, a strong move to develop, you know, petrochemical uh, a petrochemical hub or center here in Pennsylvania, just to the west of Pittsburgh. So, you know, there's a large investment there to develop an eth- uh, develop an ethane cracker there. North of six billion dollars is being spent on one site. We've had as many as 7,200 workers. Uh, our building trades are basically flat out building. Uh, the facilities necessary for, for that industry. And the president recognizes that. And the, he's leveraged his relationships with uh, the building trades to help uh, gain an understanding of why domestic energy development is absolutely critical to our future. And I think he's been successful on that front as well. Getting much of that newfound uh, supply of energy to the market has been absolutely critical. And one of the things that some that oppose fossil fuel development, natural gas development in particular, have worked to block pipelines. The president understands how vitally important pipelines are. I'll give you an example. In Pennsylvania, every utility in Pennsylvania is delivering natural gas uh, on a commodity basis at less than $5 an MMBTU to every single customer. In New England, in the winter months, they've seen prices topping $90 uh, Uh, MMBTU just because of the fact that they don't have the capacity built and they've used politics to block pipelines. I think the president has seen that, the administration has worked to make sure that the Clean Water Act isn't being used as a tool to block pipelines. I mean, we all embrace proper regulation and environmental responsible development, but to be able to abuse a regulation to stop the development of energy or to stop the flow of energy I think the president gets why that's very short-sighted. I mean, we've made major environmental gains as a country, energy security gains, and economic gains as a country through the shale development across our country, and the president gets it.
1: Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, When we come back from break, I want to really drill down into what's happening in your area, the coalition, its work, its importance to the area, and, of course, you know, what you just said is, is vital to help the individuals out there understand how much it costs them when we are not really focusing on, you know, oil and gas and understanding the importance. Uh, you're going to pay a whole lot more uh, to do business that way. So, But we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show. We'll be right back.
0: Hi folks, Alvin Bailey here. Did you know Agreco is proud to sponsor In the Oil Patch Radio Show? Agreco has served Texas oil fields for over 10 years, supporting producers with temporary power to get their product to market. When utility power is not available, Agreco is your reliable alternative. They service everything from pump jacks with a single 200-kilowatt unit to massive gas processing facilities requiring 50 megawatts or more. Agreco is your dedicated engineering partner for diesel and natural gas generators, as well as battery power solutions. Call Agreco today at 1-800-AGRECO. That's 1-800-A-G-G-R-E-K-O. Farmers
4: and ranchers are the hardest working people on earth and deserve a side-by-side vehicle that works just as hard. That's why Yamaha makes the Viking an all-new Viking 6, the world's first true three-and-six-person UTVs assembled in America. Ranked number one in drivetrain durability, Viking outworks and outclasses the competition in features, comfort, and off-road capability. For more, visit yamahaviking.com. Most dependable claim based on a 2013 Yamaha Source side-by-side owner study.
2: Welcome back to In the Oil Patch Radio. I'm David Blackman, uh, my co-host, Kim Bellotto, and our special guest today, David Spiegelmeyer, who's the president of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. And one last question, uh, David, before we go into to more meaty topics. I want to talk to you about the coalition's membership, because you have Pennsylvania and the Marcellus region in general very similar to Texas. You have every bit of the industry in your region, from upstream, midstream, downstream chemicals, Uh, you run the whole gamut. And I'm curious, does the coalition represent companies that are are throughout that supply chain? Are you more focused on upstream?
5: No, I think think it's fair to say, David, that we started the coalition with a very much a heightened focus on the upstream side of the business. And I I look at the coalition almost as an, an operating in phases, early development. We were very much focused on trying to demystify shale gas development with communities and uh, local governments, leaders, and throughout Pennsylvania where shale was going to take place. I mean, unconventional shale gas development had never taken place here. We did have a fair amount of shallow conventional wells in the western part of Pennsylvania and the northern part of Pennsylvania, but this new unconventional business is one that required a fair amount of blocking and tackling on the public education side. But, uh, you know, our coalition is certainly diversified over time. And the strength of the coalition that I represent is in the work of our committee. So, you know, we represent the upstream producers, as you mentioned. We produce, We uh, have a number of the major interstate pipelines and gatherers across this basin. Um, you know, we've got some downstream users and petrochemical folks that uh, are members of the MSC or of the Marcellus Shale Coalition. And one of the stronger pieces of our coalition and certainly has helped us um create a value proposition inside of our committees is that um you know the the supply chain that supports this industry from top to bottom are members of the msc you know at one point i think we've had more than uh, 150 members on the supply chain side. it's not quite that robust today but we've got very vibrant communications that take place between those that are working in the field on the supply chain with our upstream producers our midstream operators and pipeline operators our petrochemical side Utilities and even downstream uh, you know, power generators belong to the MSC as well. Wow.
1: You're in the Marcellus region, and primarily you guys focus a lot on natural gas. And so your region probably hasn't been hit as hard as some of the heavy oil states or regions have. My question is talk to us about the kind of issues that you've seen your members, you guys, have been dealing with for the past few months.
5: Yeah, Kim, I'd probably disagree with you a bit there. I mean, certainly, you know, and just for your for your listeners, uh, the the western part of Pennsylvania, northern part of West Virginia, eastern part of Ohio, is an under pressured area of the shale. It produces liquids like ethane, pentane, butane, isobutane, propane, natural gasolines. It's not a heavy oil play. Uh, The northern part of this play is. a world-class dry gas play northern Pennsylvania up along the New York State border some of the best uh, production of dry natural gas that probably takes place across the country is occurring in that location um, you know gas selling here in 2008 MMBTU it well headed hit north of $13 uh, we have some of the deepest basis discounts that occur in the United States today I just looked at the primary interconnects here in Pennsylvania we're averaging about a dollar 22 so yeah, you know, we've seen rig counts decline. We've seen job reductions. We've seen uh, operators having to live within their existing cash flow, not, av- not high availability of uh, investment capital out there to invest in the shale play right now. So it's had an impact on this play as well, much like it's had in the Permian.
1: Very good. And that's part of the reason why I was very excited to bring you on was to give us an update of what really is happening in your area. We spend a lot of time throughout the year focusing on Permian Basin and Eagle Ford and what's happening at our ports and uh, we just really have not had a lot of focus on your region and i'm glad we're able to introduce it to our listeners and 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 then understand what you guys are going through as well we're going to get ready to go to break but when we come back i'd like to try to drill down a little bit more and talk about an article that came out which piqued our interest and we wanted to bring you on the show you're listening to and the oil patch radio show we'll be right back
0: Remember this name, Oilfield Experts, to locate any part, anytime for your automotive or oilfield equipment needs. Oilfield Experts specialty is those hard-to-find oil field parts for your fleet maintenance needs, and we've been providing those parts and accessories to keep your tools turning since 1965. From the auto repair shop to the pump jack, call us for the right part right now. Write down this number, Oilfield Experts, 210-471-1923. Again, that's 210 210- 471 471-1923 and visit us on the web at theoilfieldexperts.com. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine provides services like print advertising and digital marketing. Our digital advertising services include website, email, radio, video, and social media. Shale also provides specialized web services from website management to search engine optimization and social media management. Visit our website, shalemag.com. Once again, that's shale, S-H-A-L-E, mag, ma to learn more. Shale is your one-stop shop for growing your business. Pick up the phone today and call 210 210- 2407188 again 210
1: And we're back you're listening to in the All Radio show Our guest today is David Spiegelmeyer, who is the president of the Marcellus Shell Coalition a wonderful organization David I think you have a question for Dave.
2: I do. I do. Yeah, Uh, David, you were quoted in an article this week about the the big hit the region is taking in reductions in capital investment. Uh, At one point here, just, you know, uh, really just a few months ago, it looked like the region uh, was going to be the scene of a massive chemical and industrial revival up there in that part of the country. You know, with everything that's happened with this COVID-19, it seems to me it's going to be, fairly temporary and then hopefully we'll get back to some semblance of normal fairly quickly so do you still see that that kind of renaissance in the chemical industrial space happening up there
5: david it's a really good question and the answer to that is yes i'm bullish about the fact that affordable energy i believe will be a linchpin to returning uh economic prosperity to our country i mean we've when you think about natural gas natural gas liquids it's paints and coatings and sealants and tires and plastics and everything that you can touch and all steel and glass, plastics, chemicals, fertilizers, powdered metals, pharmaceutical medications. And today, one in three of our electrons are produced with the energy we're producing here. So, you know, I do think the the slowdown is temporary. I think that natural gas and natural gas liquids will drive the renaissance uh, of a return to, you know, strong economic uh, uh, growth in our country and, and certainly here in you know Western Pennsylvania and the Appalachian region I talked a little bit about the fact before that uh, you know we've got a petrochemical hub being built here just to west of the Pittsburgh Airport six billion dollar investment that will basically take ethane and and develop uh, you know PE or polyethylene pellets that I believe will be the feedstock for new plastics manufacturing here in the north I think what we've done some economic analysis Um, You know, 70% of plastic manufacturers in the United States are within within 700 miles of Pittsburgh. So uh, we think there's huge opportunity for growth in that area as well. The pharmaceutical industry is headquartered in the Northeast. We think availability and affordability of the energy we produce will help uh, drive new growth and new job development in that sector as well. Uh, We've seen investment begin in... Um, in the agricultural communities, far, uh, uh, fertilizers in particular, you know, and, and you know, the, da- the downstream opportunities for consumers alone, and we are utilities here in western Pennsylvania near Pittsburgh, the two primary gas utilities, they're delivering uh, the commodity service of natural gas to consumers at a 70% discount from what consumers were paying just 10 years ago. So the benefits wow. are many. There'll, there are some that would like to vilify Natural gas, I think natural gas is a solution to our environmental issues, uh, not a culprit.
1: Exactly. You know, I have a question about policy. You guys have had some big policy issues that have been making the news in your part of the country in recent weeks. Tell me about the efforts the Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf has been putting on the new admission regulations in place out there.
5: Yeah, there's an initiative called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. There are seven states in the Northeast that uh, have a plan to, to curb CO2 emissions. Our coalition has not taken a, a firm position on the our, our or RGGI or Reggi proposal, Regional Greenhouse Gas Emissions. Um, and the reason we have, we just haven't seen enough detail on that yet. Uh, I will tell you that we've seen $14 billion of New power generation investment, gas-fired power generation investment in PJM—that's the regional um, ISO in this region for electric power. Mm-hmm. Natural gas has been, you know, used as the primary fuel uh, to displace some of the older coal facilities. Rather than investing in scrubbing, they've gone to natural gas, and you know, we're about a 250% net exporter of electric power out of Pennsylvania today. So, um, wow. you know, we're very much focused on the governor's regional greenhouse gas initiative, what that means for new power generation. And, you know, one thing I would suggest, none of us are against um, against renewable sources of power. We just want to make sure that there's, we, everybody goes into that with their eyes wide open. If we're going to go in to try and change major portions of our society to become dependent on renewable form forms of energy, we're going to have to take up an awful lot of mining because to baseload you know, renewables, you're going to need extraordinary battery backup and development of lithium and, and neodymium and cobalt will be necessary to develop those kind of battery banks necessary to have any form of reliability to renewable forms of energy. So this move to try and move towards greater levels of solar and wind. When the sun doesn't always shine and the wind doesn't always blow, we're going to need to have enormous amounts of battery backup. In reality, to move some direction, some uh, some path towards direction that way makes some sense. Natural gas will be its primary backup.
1: Well, you know, Dave, it's no secret that we started in the Oil Patch Radio Show as a way of trying to talk to the general population about the importance of energy. And you're hitting the nail on the head as far as why we're nationally syndicated because there's so many people that don't understand outcomes. So you may think we're going greener and it sounds great and, you know, everyone wants to go that route. But there are equal issues that we have to face as a country when we start doing that. And so I'm glad to see that, you know, what you just discussed is so vital for our listeners to hear that there is not always a positive outcome when you start You know, going in a different direction without really thinking things through all the way through. So, David and I, that's our job is to just try to make sense of. Some of the policies that really don't make sense or some of the uh, policies that they want to implement that are going to be very costly to the individuals. Can you afford a higher utility bill or can you afford, you know, to have to uh, pay more for a vehicle? There's all these different little things that everyone has to think about when we start, you know, wanting to make changes. And going in a green way, which is great, everybody should be an environmentalist, everybody should care about uh, the planet we live on, but it's just a common Question: We have to ask, you know, what are going to be the positives and what are going to be the negatives? And let's weigh them before we start making changes. And that doesn't really seem to be happening all the time. We're going to get ready to go to break. And when we come back, we've got some more questions for you guys on uh, EPA coming up here. You're listening to an Oil Patch Radio Show, and we'll be right back.
4: I'm Tracy Bentley, the CEO-President of the Permian Strategic Partnership, an alliance of 19 energy companies located in West Texas and Southeast New Mexico. For the first time in history, our companies have come together with one goal in mind, supporting our community. In 2019, our first full year of existence, we committed more than $30 million to support six major initiatives, built partnerships with dozens of community stakeholders, and helped secure an additional $1 billion in state and federal funding for roadway improvements in the Permian Basin. By partnering with local leaders, we will continue to work hard to make roads safer, improve schools, upgrade healthcare, increase affordable housing, and train the next generation of workers. Because we don't just work here, we live here. And neighbors are supposed to help each other out. For more information, go to PermianPartnership.org.
0: PermianPartnership.org. Any business can benefit from advertising to the oil and gas industry, but it's really important to partner with a marketing company that has a proven track record with this growing industry. Shale Oil & Gas Business Magazine is the one-stop shop that'll keep you in front of the customers that you need to grow your business. So let's start growing your business in Texas. Email us info at shalemag.com. Again, that's info at shale, S H A L E, mag, mag.com. Or you can call us 210 240 7188. Again, that's 210 240 7188.
2: Welcome back to In the Old Patch Radio. I'm David Blackman with my co-host, Kim Bilotto, and our special guest, David Spiegelmeyer, the president of the Marcella Shale Coalition. David, before the break, we were talking about policy issues, and we've had a actual positive policy development, at least in my view, here over the past week, and you know, it's from the EPA, uh, talking about, and you briefly mentioned this earlier, uh, talking about making changes to the regulations under the Clean Water Act, a one title under the Clean Water Act that uh, particularly Governor Cuomo has taken advantage of to block several interstate pipeline projects that would take natural gas from, you know, out of the Marcellus region to New England. I uh, wonder if you could expand on that some more for our audience. Well,
5: I mean, when the federal government sees, you know, their rules – being improperly administered by the states and without uh, provocation, basically using the Clean Water Act to block necessary interstate pipelines to get gas into energy-starved regions of the country. I mean, I think we all have seen the pictures of, you know, French vessels loaded with foreign LNG parked in Boston Harbor, uh, you know, that 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 sends a really clear signal. We've got a world-class supply of energy, you know, 400 miles to the south of Boston. Yet we've got a, you know, a foreign vessel sitting in Boston Harbor, basically serving as, you know, storage during the cold winter months, and watching volatility and prices all over the place for natural gas in New England when they could enjoy the same, um, you know, stable source of energy and the stable stable price of power. Uh, that consumers in PJM are enjoying because of natural gas availability in Pennsylvania, et cetera. So, uh, I think the administration gets it. I think EPA gets it, and they've tried to find a way to avoid, you know, state agencies utilizing their regulations to block the meaningful development of infrastructure into energy-starved regions of the country. And it's not just New England; it's the East Coast market. Uh, you've seen some moves to try and stop pipeline development to the West Coast markets as well. I think this administration gets that, and I appreciate WellPatch Radio making sure that uh, they serve as a megaphone on some of these issues because it's highly important of the affordability. And we just came, you know, coming through this pandemic, we realized how important it is to produce some of these products at home. And, and nearly every one of these life-sustaining products that were in short supply – are being produced through the use of natural gas. We need to get natural gas to those areas so we can manufacture the products here at home and not send that work to China.
1: Very good. While we're on politics, last question. Pennsylvania, you guys conducted, or Pennsylvania conducted uh, its party primaries on Tuesday. Were there any surprises?
0: Well, you
5: know, Kim, is a primary, so I don't think there are any major surprises. There's certainly a hard move in our cities to the very far left. I mean, it's concerning. I would almost, you know, it's a, it's a move to socialism and that's scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never dreamed I would see that in my home state of Pennsylvania, but we're witnessing some of that today. Anyhow, I mean, we need to make sure that, that we continue the blocking and tackling to make sure that folks know the benefits of affordable and abundant energy, what natural gas means to their daily lives, that the, Environmental progress achieved in our nation, the reduction in sulfur dioxide emissions, the reduction in nitrogen oxide, total greenhouse gas emissions, and the reduction of CO two, you know, for years now is is not in spite of natural gas, but because of natural gas being used in power generation. Right. We are making major change through the use of the energy we're producing, you know, in the natural gas fields of Pennsylvania, Ohio and West Virginia.
1: Let's go back to the Marcellus Shell Coalition. Um, in the last few minutes that we have, your focus is not just on, a, I guess, lobbying efforts, but give us some of the core categories that you guys really focus on, and is there an area of interest that you're trying to build up for our listeners who might want to get involved in it?
2: Yeah,
5: certainly, Kim. I mean, early days were very much focused on workforce development, public education, uh, communications. You know, you know, my participation on your show today is part of some of the work that we do. Certainly, we have an advocacy arm uh, In our Harrisburg office, we do run an advocacy network, we call it United Shale Advocates as well. Folks that are in the public domain that see the benefits of our business, they operate through United Shale Advocates to support what we're doing. But uh, uh, we do significant training. We conduct a conference, you know, things like that. But, you know, we've worked to to develop this state-of-the-art environmental protections through our regulatory engagement. We continue to try and develop, you know, responsible operating practices and transparency in our operations. And, you know, early on this play was being developed primarily by folks that were from out of state. And now with our workforce training initiatives, most of the workers here today, I think seven and a half out of ten, are from the Appalachian Basin. So we've made major progress on that front. We'll continue to try and promote a spirited public dialogue and trying to educate the communities as best we can.
1: Very good. And before I cut you loose, if anyone listening wants to get involved with the coalition, are you guys looking for members? And if so, where do we send them to? Do you have a website?
5: Yeah, sure. Our website is www.marcelluscoalition.marcelluscoalition.org. coalition
1: dot And I'm sure you want them to like you on Facebook. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, for sure. And we do have our conference. A lot of folks have canceled conference, but we are going to uh, conduct our conference September 30, October 1 in Erie, Pennsylvania, and looking forward to a very strong program at that point, And we go live on the 15th of this month for uh you know, taking applications for folks to attend our conference.
1: Well, now that might be a conference I might want to attend, David. We might put that on the calendar. Absolutely. <laughs> well, Dave, from David and I, we want to thank you for being a guest on In the Oil Patch Radio Show. And we look forward to having you back on here in the future to talk a little bit about what's going on in your uh, neck of the woods. But thank you again for being a guest.
5: Kim and David, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it.
2: Well, Kim, that was a great interview with David Spiegelmeyer. And I I wanted to touch uh, base on another subject. I've, I've seen a lot of social media traffic related to the State of Energy Conference coming up in September in Corpus Christi. And I'm just uh, think it'd be good to give our listeners uh, an update on the status of all of that.
1: I couldn't agree with you more, David. You know, I think everybody has had cap and fever because uh, <laughs> there's been a lot of uh, ticket purchases, sponsorships have been coming in left and right. Uh, rather, we put out an e blast making everybody aware of it, or social media. The tickets are going quickly. And it's because we have State of Energy, a luncheon in which Mike Howard, we're talking about, uh, is the keynote. He has, he has a lot of assets in South Texas, uh, the coastal bend area, rather, it's Corpus heading into Mexico. He's a prominent midstream company for that area, so tickets are going like crazy. But we also have a mixer that night for Women's Energy Network of South Texas, and I'm so excited because I'm on that board, and it's a bunch of dynamic women. Great association, or nonprofit to be a part of, and we're going to have a mixer that night honoring Judge Barbara Canales, who is like the judge out there in in, uh, Nueces County, Corpus Christi. And uh, So we'll be honoring her out there, and uh, you put those two great events together on the same day, and you've got a lot of social media trafficking, a lot of ticket sales, so I do encourage the listeners, if you want to attend the State of Energy Corpus Christi uh, that Shell Magazine and Texas Energy Advocates Coalition are putting on, you need to buy your tickets now. Go to shale, S H A L E M A G dot com, and purchase your tickets. We still have some sponsorship. You can also purchase tickets for the mixer that night as well, honoring Judge Barbara Canales. David, that is all the time we had for this amazing show. Thank you for being my co-host today, and we look forward to having you on next week when I'm sure we'll have another great guest.
0: We always do. In the Oil Patch is where, together, we explore topics that affect us all in oil, gas, business, and in your community. Every week, your host, Kim Bilotto, will visit with the movers and shakers in this fast-paced industry. You'll hear from industry experts, elected officials, and many more right here on In the Oil Patch.